The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with the Fed-fueled rally. Stocks riding a six-day win streak and set to do something for the first time since 2017. Futures are higher once again. But today, two major market-moving events, they could put the rally at risk. We lay out what's on the line. And just in time for Christmas, MasterCard is out with its latest spending pulse data and just how much easing inflation is helping consumers. Plus, city CEO Jane Frazier makes a drastic move to boost the bottom line of the bank. And then later in the show, Ukraine struggles for financial support as its war with Russia continues. It is Friday, December the 15th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Happy Friday. Let's get you ready to start the day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the major indices riding six-day win streaks. Take a look. We're in the green across the board this morning. The S&P and the Nasdaq both up over a quarter percent. Look at the Dow right now looking like it would open up. It's early, but looking like it would open up almost 140 points higher. This after another winning day for Wall Street that saw the Dow notch a second record close in a row The major averages are all up on the week and on pace for seven straight weeks of gains. For the S&P 500, that will be the longest win streak since November of 2017. Of course, we also have to check the bond market. Yields continue their downward trend. The two-year now hovering at its lowest level since May. Take a look right here. That yield at 4.36. Of course, we have to look at the benchmark 10-year right now at 3.91. This is about 30 basis points lower than it opened up on the day of the Fed decision. Yields declining since then. We're also looking at oil. Oil coming off its strongest day in a month. Up again this morning. Take a look. Up about a quarter percent for both WTI, which is trading at 71.78 a barrel. Brent crude also up just about a quarter percent, trading at 76.79 right now. All right, that's your morning money set up. Let's now see how Europe is shaping up as its trading day gets underway and the overnight action in Asia. Our Jamana Bersetti joins me now from our London newsroom. Jamana, happy Friday and good morning. Happy Friday, Frank. Let's just start with the price action in Asia overnight. Mostly positive with the exception of the Shanghai Composite down six-tenths of a percent. The actual blue chip China index is sitting at a five-year trough, so it's not looking good there. But Hang Seng up 2.4 percent. We saw a bit of a bounce in the real estate sector today on news that Shanghai has relaxed some home purchase restrictions. So that it's obviously been a big theme over there. Uh, Nikkei also up nine-tenths of a percent. We are seeing a rebound in chip makers, but also also on back of some of the weakness that has come through in the yen. That has been positive for the Japanese index. But don't forget, we have the Bank of Japan meeting on December 19th. That will be a big focus for investors there. Over here in Europe, the picture is uh, slightly more mixed. And you can see that the FTSE 100 is the one that is uh, mainly lagging uh, down about a tenth of a percent as this market digests the yesterday's Bank of England meeting. Hawkish pause is what people are calling it. Though this morning we did have better than expected UK PMI data come through. 
showing an improvement on the prior month and also uh, beating versus consensus. Not the case with the European indices, though. Eurozone flash PMI for December has disappointed once again its seventh straight month of declines. Not good news. The flash number coming in at 47 uh, versus 48 expectations and 47.6 in November. That being said, we are still seeing a positive reaction. The DAX is up two-thirds of a percent. Worth pointing out, Frank, that yesterday, in the middle of the day, DAX briefly touched 17,000, yet another all-time record high for this index. The CAC 40 also six-tenths of a percent firmer today, yesterday also reaching new intraday highs. And of course, these markets digesting the ECB yesterday. I mentioned the Bank of England with its hawkish pause. The ECB themselves are pretty hawkish as well, even though they paused too and indicated that they're not ready to start talking about rate cuts. So a bit of a different position there than uh, the one that the Fed took the prior day. Yeah, absolutely. Not every central bank on the same page. Jamana Bersetti, live in our London newsroom. Jamana, thank you very much. We're going to turn our attention back to the U.S. markets and six straight days of gains for the major averages and back-to-back record highs for the Dow. Optimism about the Fed's rate cut forecast, it appears to be powering this week's rally. Traders are also bracing for what could be the final liquidity event before the end of this year. It's a triple witching Friday with options contracts tied to more than $5 trillion in stocks, ETF and indexes all set to expire. We also have the quarterly and annual rebalancing of the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq 100 after the close. The impact of both could potentially lead to a volatile session where billions of shares are changing hands. Let's talk much more about this now with Robert Teeter, head of investment policy and strategy group at Silvercrest Asset Management. And Lindsay Bell, Chief Strategist at 248 Ventures and a CNBC contributor. She also went to Pitt, same school I did. Good morning to both of you. Lindsay, I'm going to start it off with you. What do you think about this triple witching day? Uh, the impact, again, we, we just mentioned it, $5 trillion in expiring options. How do you see it impacting the day ahead? I think it's just going to add a little more volatility. I feel like over time, these have been less and less impactful to the market. Um, but a little more volatility, that could be okay. It could just be a little opportunity for investors t- uh, on the morning. So, Robert, same question. I'm concerned about this big liquidity event. And also, we have these rebalancings that are happening after the bill. Not really any concern in the short term. I think a lot of investors are really catching up to the news that's come out of the Fed and on the inflation front. That's the good news side of it. I think the bad news side of it is we've maybe pulled some of uh, next year's anticipated gains into this year, setting up the stage for a little more nuance required going forward into the new year. Now, when you say that uh, some of these gains might be pulled forward, what do you mean? Because right now we actually seem to be seeing kind of a broadening of the market right now. Small caps, real estate all rallying this week, along with biotech, um, generally some pretty interest rate sensitive sectors. Yes, absolutely. I think the broadening out is great. I think that's going to continue. I think the small caps still have some more room to run. Um, On the large cap side, if you look back to the rally that's taken place since late October, we've come a pretty long way in a short time and and, in anticipating uh, rate cuts, which I think will come. uh, But we've priced a lot of those in now. So I think on the large cap side, you need to be a little more earnings sensitive for next year. Well, as you point out, I agree, small caps still have some more room to run here on this rate trade. So, Lindsay, what about you? I mean, we saw earnings estimates. They've been kind of volatile for Q4. What are you looking at as we go forward? Do you believe that the rally is going to continue to broaden out or are you still focused on what's been working all year long? Uh, a little bit of both, actually, Frank. I do think that, that what happened this week, the Fed basically gave the green light to the market to really broaden out their investment thesis. Um, the the What we heard from the Fed 
really provided clarity on rates going forward. And it also, in a way, I think gave investors what they were looking for in terms of what when a soft landing is happening. And it seems like we're going through that. That was supported, I think, yesterday with some of the jobless claims and retail sales data that you got. So, so I think investors are feeling more upbeat and more excited about putting their money to work. Like a lot of cash has been sitting on the sideline. Right. And this really does open up that opportunity. As you said, you are starting to see some of the lagging sectors begin to pick up, which, which is a good, healthy trend in the market. So, Lindsay, as, as you say, investors are kind of broadening out what they're looking at. I think some things may have changed a bit, at least when you look at fixed income. Um, before, fixed income was really competing with stocks and even dividend-paying stocks, something I know that you really focus on. Right now, has your view of fixed income, has it changed dramatically as we see rates continue to fall? Yeah, I mean, I think there is still opportunity in the fixed income space, but I do think that that those rate-sensitive sectors are becoming more interesting now. And with, with rates falling, they, they are competition again. And so what I'm looking at is the dividend aristocrats. Those have always been a defensive play, secure play, and over the long run, typically outperform the S&P 500. I do think qu- investing in quality in 2024 is going to be a theme that really does stick. So dividend aristocrats is a place that I, I think it's finally time to put your toe in. Granted, they did. They have had a big pop uh, in the last couple weeks. Um, as this as the Fed move was anticipated. Right. But you think they still have a little bit more room to run? Yeah, I do think they have room to run. So, Robert, I want to come over to you. Talking about what's been working all year long is the Magnificent Seven, the AI play. Um, what's your view on that right now? I know you said you're paying more attention to earnings, but in general, do you believe the next year we could see another rally for these names? Just yesterday, we had a, a note come out that Apple's going to outperform again uh, next year, and we saw it just kind of tick up in the pre-market trading pretty close to an all-time high still. I think there is still some room to go there. I think in a slow growth world, you pay up for growth. And a lot of those companies have great organic growth, great balance sheets. All the things that, that we've liked about them the past few years continue to be true. Um, although I do think the broadening out will, will play out in a pretty meaningful way next year. So I think we have to be a little bit more selective. Look for those areas that are benefiting from CapEx spending. Uh, look for those areas that are benefiting from potential margin gains. I think that's really where the, right. where the excitement will come in earnings next year is from companies able to post higher margins. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about companies with margin expansion or dividend increases. But I just want to come back to the Magnificent Seven for a second. Do you see this as a rising tide that continues to lift all those companies? Or do you think investors are going to start to maybe just take a closer look at the AI story, the robotics story, the automation story? No, I think it's going to be more a case of the laggards catching up rather than the leaders falling. Lindsay, before we get out of here, I uh, just want to get a sense today, as, as we look at today, again, potential, a lot of volatility coming up, uh, triple witching, also a rebalancing of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. Where would you put money to work today? What are you looking at? Well, like I said, it's for me, it's all about quality. And I, and I like some of the things that the other guests talked about, margin expansion and, and capex spending. Um, but I also like the healthcare sector. It's been a laggard this year, Frank. It's one of the four sectors is actually down on the year. It's very reliable in uncertain economic environments. The valuations look reasonable at this point in time. And there's secular tailwinds um, that can benefit the sector. So that's another area I would consider diving or, or tiptoeing into at this point. All right. So, Robert, same question before you for you before we let you go. I know you said you're looking at small caps. Any other areas you're looking at, especially as we go into the holiday season, we're going to get another read on the consumer over these next two weeks. 
Yeah, beyond small caps in the large cap space, I think technology will continue to do well. Companies, again, with CapEx and chasing efficiencies. And I think the consumer sector will continue to do well. We're still adding jobs. We're still adding income and consumers will be continuing to spend through the new year. Let's drill down a little bit. When you say the consumer sector, what kind of names are you talking about? I think anywhere where you have uh, direct benefits to, you know, people being put to work and having income. So places like retail and, again, have to be selective. And, and I agree with what Lindsay was saying on the quality point. Uh, but places that will be benefiting from growing incomes are where you're likely to see earnings gains there. All right. Robert Teeter and Lindsay Bell with a consensus. It's time to be selective and take a closer look at where you're investing. Great to see you both. You both have a great Friday. Thanks, Frank. All right. Time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana Happy Friday. Hey, Frank, good morning and happy Friday to you. Well, let's start off with General Motors. It plans to lay off about 1,300 workers in Michigan starting early next year as a number of vehicles built there are set to end production, including the Chevrolet Bolt. Now, the final production date is scheduled for next week with the layoffs set to take effect January 1st. And GM says it will retool the facilities to build other models, including electric trucks. The plan is for them to come back online in late 2025. A consortium of investors led by Blackstone just won the bidding for the largest tranche of the $33 billion loan portfolio once owned by Signature Bank, now being auctioned off by the FDIC. Now, the deal valued at $17 billion includes more than 2,600 first mortgage loans backed by retail, market rate apartments and office properties largely located in the New York area. And Citigroup winding down its operations in the $4 trillion municipal bond market and what's being called one of the most dramatic moves by CEO Jane Frazier to squeeze better returns from the bank. The exit will impact about 100 staffers, with many likely to leave the bank by early next year. In a memo, the bank says, quote, the economics of these activities are no longer viable given our commitment to increase the firm's overall returns, Frank. You know, in recent weeks, you've seen a lot of changes at these big banks, something yeah. we'll have to continue to watch. We'll see what happens in the new year. All right, Silvana, we'll see you later in the show. Thank yeah. you. All right, we've got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, Rocket Lab takes off once again after a three-month hiatus and a challenge to industry rival SpaceX. Plus, surging mortgage rates doing very little to hurt the second largest home builder in the U.S. We have your big money movers coming up. And then later, we follow the cross-Pacific and cross-country trip of one iconic toy as, as it goes from factory floor to a retailer near you. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We're going to start off with Lennar. After closing at an all-time high yesterday, shares are under a bit of pressure ahead of the open after reporting fourth quarter and full-year earnings that beat analyst estimates. The country's second-largest home builder says despite higher mortgage rates, it delivered 19% more homes than a year ago. Investors may be taking a close look at the company's margin on home sales, which fell to 24.2% from 24.8%. Shares of Costco, they are popping after topping earnings expectations for its most recent quarter and declaring a special dividend of 15 bucks a share. The company says moderating inflation helped boost demand for items outside of grocery. We're also watching shares of Rocket Lab this morning. The company blasting off into space for the first time in three months after a September failure and a payload loss, temporarily grounded operations. The company's mid-size electron rocket taking off just after 5 p.m. local time in New Zealand delivering one satellite for a Japanese communications company. Well, as consumers, they close in on crunch time for Christmas shopping. It's time once again to take a closer look at how some of the hottest holiday items get from the factory floor to a retailer near you. And this year, with supply chains normalizing a bit and inflation cooling at a lower cost. CNBC's own Eunice Yoon, Jane Wells, Pippa Stevens, and Courtney Reagan take us on the cross-Pacific and cross-country journey of the iconic Care Bear. And it all starts at a manufacturing site in China. While the U.S. fights inflation, China struggles with deflation, and that's translating to lower pricing at the factories. During the global supply chain disruptions two years ago, the cost of making a Care Bear was up 25 percent. Today, it's back to where it was before the pandemic. Slower growth here has reined in material prices, as well as workers' wages. And with U.S. orders harder to come by, factories compete with cut prices. Logistics costs are also in check. No more tight COVID controls, and shipping containers are plentiful at the Chinese ports. So products that have been held up for months on the factory floor in 2021 are now shipped out to America almost immediately. Nowhere is the difference in the supply chain more visible than here at the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. When I was here two years ago, there were 65 ships anchored offshore waiting 10 days for an appointment. Now, I don't see anything and ships are going right in. The U.N. says global trade is down 5 percent and shipping container costs are down almost 90 percent. 50 percent of the truck gates go unused every day, and that means we have capacity. In November, container volume was up 19 percent, but overall for the year, it's still down. That's partly because labor tensions sent some ships away from the West Coast. It's a similar story with trucks and trains. Two years ago, there weren't enough as consumers loaded up. But today, there's too much supply and not enough demand. Volumes are down and spot rates have dropped 40 percent since 2021. With all this available freight, it's now cheaper to ship this Care Bear from the port to the warehouse and on to the final destination. But whether or not all these savings are passed along to consumers can depend on the retailer. The journey for this Care Bear from a factory in China to a toy store like this Toys R Us on the East Coast is back to normal, now taking about a month. Two years ago, it was twice as long. And transportation costs were making up almost a quarter of the bear's total cost. It's now down to 5%. We're just seeing um, less pressure on the manufacturing cost than the transportation cost, a little bit more pressure on other areas of 
the supply chain. And also our customers are looking for more value. So we're being squeezed a little bit. Toymaker Basic Fund was adding a transportation fee to retail invoices two years ago. Now those are gone. If you look at toy deflation, seasonal discounting, and consumers' desire for lower-priced toys, you're going to find this bear retails for about $15 in most stores. That's down from $17 to $20 two years ago. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, laying out the case for the consumer and a first on with MasterCard's latest spending pulse data, Worldwide Exchange, coming up right after this. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. As we enter the final stretches of the holiday season, the consumer appears to be on strong footing. Fueling that strength, strong November retail sales showing a 0.3% increase compared to a slight decline expected. Also in the labor market, initial jobless claims falling to their lowest since mid-October. And November CPI flat year over year, but still hovering at its lowest level since April of 2021. And this morning, new data from MasterCard echoing this optimism, reporting a 7.5% increase in online sales during November. Joining me now with the key takeaways from the latest MasterCard spending pulse and a first on CNBC interview with Steve Sadoff, senior advisor at MasterCard. Steve, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. How are you? All right. So new data out from MasterCard, your spending pulse for November. I want to ask you, how should investors view the 7.5% increase in online spending for November, a very slight decline from what we saw in October, where it was 8%? I think what you should see on the online sales is that it's very healthy, that this is an online and omni-channel season. The online sales growing at 7.5%. You saw growth in October as well as November online. The holiday forecast is intact. If you looked at the holiday from November 1 to December 24, the forecast was for overall sales at 3.7%. Online growing in the 8% range. What we're seeing more than halfway through the season is online sales right on track to the forecast, overall sales on track to the forecast, and the individual categories about on track. You see restaurants going in the 7% range, apparel close to 3%. This is an experiential season. It's a value-related season. The season started early. It's promotional. Got it. Promotional and in line with the promotions. So, Steve, that's, at- what I, that's what I want to ask you about. That 7% increase in restaurant spending compared to an under 3% increase for apparel spending. Is this that revenge spend on experiential that we talked about post-pandemic? Is that still continuing? Or is this a real shift in consumer behavior? You know, I think in the restaurants, it's a couple of things. Part of it is the inflation rate in restaurants. You're seeing more inflation in food service than you see in a number of other categories coupled with the desire to get out there and have experiences. You're still reverting to the norm a bit in whether it was travel experiences, uh, uh, categories like that. Uh, So I think that restaurants experience are continuing to perform very well. The inflation rate is starting to come down. The growth rate overall is slower than you saw, obviously, earlier in the year. But I think that the sales are quite healthy, and it says that the consumer is still spending Go around somewhere like New York City. It's very hard to get into restaurants. Yeah, absolutely. Here in the New York City area, always pretty hard to get into restaurants. But I know what you mean. Things are a bit more packed than normal. I want to go back to that apparel number. Um, 
During the pandemic and even afterwards, we saw a big boost when it came to luxury spending. People wanted higher ticket items. Are we still seeing that there's still growth when it comes to luxury and maybe other parts of apparel? Or is it all just about the same, rising about 3%? What you're seeing right now is a slowing in the growth of luxury. Luxury was a winner during the early stages of the pandemic. It's reverting to the norm. It's getting it's a much slower growth than you were seeing early on. Overall apparel, the sales are healthy at that 2.7% bound going on with inflation. I think the story that we have to look at right now is what are the margins going to look like? It's clear that sales are coming in. It's going to be a rush to the end of the holiday season. We've got two big Saturdays to go. We're more than halfway through the season. It's probably going to end up very close to the MasterCard forecast of 3.7 in that range. The real issue is how promotional is it going to be at the end? A little bit of a wait and see right now. The consumers out there, you got two very big weekends to go. So far, promotions have been somewhat constrained. It's still promotional. And what happens in the next couple of weeks is we'll have to wait and see what happens. Two big Saturdays ago, Steve Sadoff says we're on track for MasterCard's forecast of a 3.7% increase in holiday spending this year. Steve, great to see you. Thank you again for the MasterCard spending pulse. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Blackstone takes a page from Taylor Swift and its annual holiday video to some cringeworthy reactions. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. The Dow looking to make it three in a row after coming off back-to-back records in its longest weekly win streak in nearly five years. As we track the rally, we're going to dig deeper into the market action and a potential reversal in leadership. The sector outside of mega cap tech seeing some fresh life. And a mixed picture when it comes to China's economic recovery. As fresh data from the world's second largest economy seems to indicate an uneven rebound. It is Friday, December the 15th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Happy Friday. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look in the green across the board. It looks like the Dow would open up about 150 points at the open. But as we always say, it is very early. But this action we're seeing here after another winning day for Wall Street, that saw the Dow notch a second record close in a row. The major averages are all up on the week and on pace for seven straight weeks of gains for the S&P 500. That will be its longest win streak since November of 2017. We're also checking the bond market this morning. Yields, they continue their downward trend. The two-year now hovering near its lowest level since back in May. Take a look right now. It's at 4.37. Look at the benchmark 10-year as well, 3.91, about 30 basis points lower than it was when it then it opened on the day of the Fed decision, we've seen a decline in yields since then. We're also looking at energy, specifically oil, coming off its strongest day in a month. You can see here up again this morning, actually rising. Hitting its, I believe it's highs of this morning, uh, up over a half a percent for WTI, the U.S. benchmark at basically 72 bucks a barrel. Brent crude at basically 77 bucks a barrel, up over a half a percent as well. OK, that's your morning money setup. Now we're going to dig just a bit deeper into the markets and the signals of a new potential bull market. While mega cap tech has accounted for most of the gains this year, a reversal in leadership, it may be underway. 
One of the sector leaders this week, utilities, up more than 2.5% since Monday after facing pressure for most of the year. Meanwhile, communication services, the laggard, down a quarter of a percent compared to its nearly 50% year-to-date gain. Let's discuss the outlook for both sectors here on utilities. Anthony Crodell of Mizuho and a talk to with us about communication services is Benchmark Company's Matthew Harrigan. Good morning to both of you. Anthony, let's kick things off with you. Give us a sense. What's been driving the action in uh, utilities this week? Is it simply just a rate story? Interest rates decline. Utilities are very interest rate sensitive and utilities go up. Clearly, Frank, it is an interest rate story. I mean, we went into the year, uh, rates started rising. We had a banner year in 2022, but we've lagged the S&P so far this year, 30% before the Fed decision. So we severely underperformed. All of a sudden, the Fed comes out, I guess, on Wednesday, announces they're going to have three cuts, and it's just off to the races. Santa Claus came early for utility investors. I think that thematic is going to play through 2024. Average yield for utility stock right now is 36 I think earlier you had mentioned that the 10-year now is dipping below four. Right. It's a very attractive yield with some growth versus the 10-year. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people want utilities in their stocking this year, though, Anthony. Um, I do want to ask you a, a question about some of your research. You're saying right now utilities are almost kind of a regional play. You like the utilities out in California and also one in Michigan. Why these specific regions? So, so location is going to matter for utilities. If you think about utilities, rates are based on the state regulators. So we have 50 regulators plus a Washington, D.C. regulator. And some regulators are more supportive of companies' investment, and it's going to preserve that earnings growth. As you mentioned, we like the California regulators out there, which is very supportive of utility earnings growth. We have PCG up north. We have uh, EIX Edison International. Then we have Semper down south. But you also mentioned Michigan, DTE, and CMS. Michigan regulators have offered very balanced decisions, providing adequate return for investors. And we think that growth is going to continue. We're going to see those names growing somewhere between 6 to 8%. Cautionary, though, on the flip side, we just noticed yesterday, Illinois came out with a decision, average return on equity or average ROE across the nation is about a 9.5%. And Illinois just gave out decisions to Ameren and Exxon, sub-9. So location is going to matter. You're going to look to see regulators that offer attractive return for investors but also give balanced decisions on companies' investment plans. Yeah, you don't often hear about utilities as a regional story, but you're 100% right. Those rates are regulated by different state agencies. So I want to talk to you about what you're seeing right now is one of the best-in-class names when it comes to utilities, Next Era Energy Partners. And you're saying this is also a dividend play. This is clearly a dividend play. So this is sort of uh, a side to our to our utilities. This is a what we call a yield go. And this was used as a financing vehicle for the large cap NEE, Next Era Energy, uh, Next Era Energy. So what NEP was doing was financing some of the growth at NEE. It offered an attractive yield. Right now, I think the yield is 13% or 12%. We're saying the yield probably gets cut in 2025, but investors could clip that coupon of 12%. And even at a 50% cut, you're still getting an attractive 6% yield. Again, as you talked about in the, t- uh, the 10 years below four. So for investors looking for yield, NEP or NEP, they call it, offers a very attractive return. Yeah, I'm looking at NEP before we let you go. Um, shares down almost 60% over the last year. So you're saying that dividend, even if it's cut by in half, right now it's at 11%, but you're saying even if it gets cut down to 6%, the dividend makes up for the, less, the lack of price action there? Yeah, so again, the, that, that stock in NEE and NEP did really well as rates were coming down. NEP is a yield play where 
you know, as their cost of capital declines or the price goes up, it offered attractive financing for NEE. So it's very confusing here what's going on. But the dividend is stable, but we are still, the dividend was stable for so long, but as stock prices came down in NEP, we're forecasting a cut in 25, and that's why it's a very fat yield right now. But even with a cut, I mean, as we all know, Frank, double coupons don't last forever. <laughs> and we see even with a cut, you're still getting an attractive 5.5% yield. All right, Anthony Cradell, bullish on utilities right now. Anthony, thank you very much. Now we want to turn our attention to communication services with Matthew Harrigan, senior equity analyst at the Benchmark Company. Matthew, good morning. Thanks for being here. Hello, Frank. All right, so when we're talking communication services, really broad group. I mean, we have Alphabet that's actually down 2% for the week, and then we have other names like Match Group up 7% for the week. Our parent company, Comcast, also rising 6%. So give us a sense. Why are we seeing such a, a, a varying in performance in this group? And why is the overall group down a quarter of a percent for the week? Well, as you just pointed out, Frank, it's not a very homogenous group. You've really got some pretty disparate uh, performance. I think it's difficult uh, you know, to generalize. I mean, there's certainly been a malaise in the broadband uh, market in terms of unit ads, although there have been some exceptions, like T-Mobile Internet has done exceptionally well and has taken share. And then, of course, you've had the issues with the Hollywood you know, strike and, and just activity uh, viewing gravitating towards streaming and away, away from linear. So everyone, including uh, NBC Universal, is really with Peacock is trying to uh, trying to balance that out. So it's kind of tough to make a blanket characterization, but it's right. certainly been a, a frustrating group at times. So you're mentioning the streaming space. One of the better performers this week was Warner Brothers Discovery. Is that rise simply off confidence in their streaming offerings? I wouldn't go as far as to say that. I mean, that's a stock that we have a buy on. And frankly, I mean, the free cash flow yield is well into the double digits with the cost reductions that they're doing. And they also have a outstanding, uh, I think, quite good Christmas movie slate, even the Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has generated some negative buzz. I think it's going to do a little bit better or a lot better than some recent superhero uh, movies. And then, and then Wonka looks uh, looks pretty good as well. So I think there's some excitement there that they're revitalizing the creative execution uh, at Max, uh, really yeah. HBO, and then uh, the studios. You know, finally looking like it's, it's normalizing to have one of the better performances uh, okay. on a sustainable basis. Matt, you're coming with stock picks and movie picks, man. You're doing it all. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to ask you about uh, in this communication services group, we have a lot of those broadband players that you were talking about. Isn't broadband tied pretty closely to this AI story? Why aren't we seeing more action in this sector related to the enthusiasm over AI? It's really been an incredible frustration for the group because if you look at, at networks and you know, both fiber and, and 5G, it's been absolutely integral to global GDP growth. And really, you've had kind of a free rider effect almost first with e-commerce and then with SaaS and, and now with, with AI. And, and frankly, not that much of the economic benefit is attaching to uh, the large telecom you know, companies, even though they're absolutely vital in maintaining the, the infrastructure. And, and there's not an easy workaround on that. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, they're, they're decent stocks and, and you know, there's some compensation for the amount of value that they create on the economy, but it, it clearly isn't uh, taking off like, like AI, to say the right. least. Well, I know you weren't planning to get this granular, but you gave us movie picks. Any, any reason why Match Group's doing so well? Like why randomly at the end of the year, Match Group rallying this week? Uh, we have a great analyst uh, following that group, but I, I, I am not that person. So uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll take a pass on that one. No, you know what? People looking for love. I'm going to be the analyst on this one. Matthew Harrigan, great to see you. Thanks for the stock picks and the movie picks. Good to see you. All right, Thank coming you. up here on Worldwide Exchange, all aboard the solar coaster, the bullish bet by one firm on the beaten up clean energy play. Also, Spotify is testing AI-generated playlists from text prompts. The company confirming the test detect detect crunch, but it's unclear whether it plans to launch it to the public. In this, you can just type in a custom prompt, and there are also suggestions such as get pumped with fun, upbeat, and positive songs. Very specific. And also, fill the silence with background cafe music. And this weekend can start off a whole lot sweeter, thanks to a number of chains offering discounts on cupcakes in celebration of National Cupcake Day. This includes Baked by Melissa, Dylan's Candy Bar, and Magnolia Bakery. And Wall Street apparently going cray-cray for Tay-Tay. I did not write this. As its love story with Taylor Swift rolls on, Blackstone's annual holiday video taking a page from the singer's record year, trying their hand at writing a pop hit, Tay-Tay. I haven't said that ever in my life. Worldwide Exchange and all of its eras is back after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with UBS initiating coverage of Box with a buy rating and a $33 price target. It cites in part expectations for a gradual return to double-digit revenue growth for the company. Uh, Right now, Box shares up over 1% in the pre-market. Jeffrey's initiating coverage of several solar names, including Sunrun, giving a buy rating and a $25 price target for Sunrun. Jeffrey's saying times of uncertainty in times of uncertainty, it seems it sees better risk reward for Sunrun and some of its peers with exposure to utility scale, as well as strong backlogs and balance sheets. Shares of Sunrun up over three percent. And KeyBank calling Walmart a top pick for next year and its hard lines outlook. It says while potential deflation in 2024 cast a bit of uncertainty, it thinks the retail giant's numerous growth and productivity initiatives will support shares. Shares of Walmart just up fractionally right now. And it's time now for your global briefing. We begin with the EU failing to agree on a $54 billion funding package to Ukraine after Hungary's prime minister blocked final approval, saying he will come back to the issue next year. This despite EU leaders deciding to formally open negotiations for Ukraine to join the bloc as Kyiv looks to increase support from its allies. Those negotiations continue today. In China, industrial output growing by more than 6.5% during November, above the 5.6% estimate and marking its fastest expansion in nearly two years. Meanwhile, retail sales climbing over 10%, fastest pace of growth since May, but still falling short of analyst estimates. And the IEA projecting global coal use will hit a record high this year due to strong demand in emerging and developing economies. Countries like India and China fueling that demand with China expected to account for more than half of global renewable expansion over the next three years. And now we have a quick market flash for you. We're tracking some Chinese tech stocks this morning, like Alibaba and JD.com. You can see a lot of them rising right now. Alibaba up 1.5%, but we're seeing a lot stronger performance from JD.com, up nearly 5%. Uh, They're rising this morning following some fresh stimulus from Beijing. The People's Bank of China announcing today, $113 billion in one-year loans, a record cash injection into the banking system in a bid to boost the country's struggling property market. And we're taking a look right now at some of the ETFs impacted right now. We are seeing the Invesco Golden Dragon China ETF ticker, PGJ, 
up over 1%. Similar performance for Crane Shares, China Internet, KWeb ETF, and also the iShares China large cap FXI if you're investing at home. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus stocks. They're set to close out a record-setting week. The under-the-radar names our next guest says she's finding fresh opportunity in for 2024. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We start with shares of Lennar under pressure. Despite beating fourth quarter and full-year earnings estimates, the home builder delivering 19% more homes than a year ago, though margins did fall on home sales. RTX naming former Pratt & Whitney business head Christopher Calio as its new CEO. Calio will succeed current chief executive Greg Hayes next May and will take on the task of navigating the recall of aircraft engines made by RTX. Costco shares popping after topping earnings expectations for its most recent quarter and declaring a special dividend of 15 bucks a share. The company attributing the beat to moderating inflation and strong demand for items outside of grocery. A new report by the Financial Stability Oversight Council showing commercial real estate is the top threat to the U.S. financial system next year. Regulators are keeping a close eye on the beaten down sector, which has been hit hard by inflation, rising rates and work from home trends. We're also watching shares of Rocket Lab this morning following the company's first space flight yesterday in three months. Operations have been temporarily grounded after the company lost its Electron rocket back in September. And Citigroup is winding down its operations in the $4 trillion municipal bond market in what is being called one of the most dramatic moves by CEO Jane Frazier to squeeze better returns from the bank. The exit will impact about 100 staffers, with many likely to leave the bank by early next year. All right, here's what to watch today. Ahead of the open, we get the Empire State manufacturing and industrial production figures. We also get results from Darden restaurants and two potentially market-moving events today. We have the quarterly and annual rebalancing of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 after the close. And it's triple-witching Friday with options contracts tied to more than $5 trillion in stocks, ETFs, and indexes all set to expire. So ahead of all that, let's get another check of how markets are shaping up on what's been a very solid week for stocks, including continued records for the Dow. Taking a look at futures right now, we are seeing the Dow just off of its highs of earlier, but still looking like it would open up about 130 points higher. The S&P and the Nasdaq both firmly in the green. For much more, let's bring in Tiffany McGee, CEO and CIO of Pivotal Advisors. She's also a CNBC contributor. Tiffany, good morning. It is great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. So we're seeing a big rally in the markets over the last few weeks. We're seeing the Dow close at record highs. Give us a sense of how you're seeing the market. What is your WEX word of the day? So my WEX word of the day is standouts. And so, you know, with the current backdrop and, and all of the, 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 uh, the elements that you are discussing, um, you know, we think that there are some standout opportunities that investors can start looking at right now uh, ahead of 2024. So it's areas like tech and some auto insurance carriers. We just mentioned this a minute ago. It's triple witching day. Also rebalancing for the S&P and the NASDAQ 100, obviously two mega indexes there. Um, how are you looking at potential volatility today? Are you concerned about that? Or, or is there anything that you're, uh, you're telling your clients to do to possibly position for some li- liquidity, uh, this big liquidity event, I should say, and some volatility? 
Yeah, well, listen, you know, we're, we're long-term investors. Every time uh, I'm on the show, I talk about that. And so volatility is, is, is typically our friend if you're a long-term investor. Uh, so for those long-term investors out there, you know, again, there are always opportunities to buy. But, you know, the message with volatility is staying in the market um, and not trying to time the market if you're in a long-term investor. Right. I want to get to your picks in just a minute. But again, um, some of this rally we're seeing this week, obviously fueled by the Fed. Does that change Mm -hmm. um, just the way you're looking at investments, whether it be equities or fixed income, especially with yields declining so much? Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't change the, the way that I'm looking at investments. But I think that, that, that the setup right now, you know, even just like the economic setup, you know, in addition to, 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 uh, to the Fed, you know, we've got, you know, solid growth, um, uh, so, Frank, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Please. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I just heard, I, I just heard a little click. Um, so when we think about uh, uh, what's going on economically, you know, like inflation is moderate is moderating, like, you know, employment is low, consumers are still spending. Um, you know, we we really think that this is a setup that I think this time of year we call it a gift. So you know, again, <laughs> these are opportunities to buy, right? Yeah, who doesn't like to get a gift? All right, I want to go to your picks right now. One of them is EverQuote, ticker EVER. Now, this is an insurance play. We don't talk a lot about insurance, not the sexiest sector. But why would you invest in EverQuote today? Yeah, so, you know, when we think about what we're buying right now um, ahead of 2024, we're really looking for, for companies with solid growth, reasonable valuations, um, and really just kind of proven profitability metrics, whatever metrics you, you, you look at, uh, PE, those kinds of things, and strong balance sheets. And so when we think about um, EverQuote, uh, we're looking at um, opportunities in tech, and this is a way to play that, that auto insurance carrier, it's kind of like tech play. So 80% of EverQuote's revenues come from auto insurance, right? So this is like this online marketplace. We really expect the auto insurance industry to kind of recover next year because it really hasn't done that so far. Um, and so, you know, these auto carriers, their okay. their customer acquisition budgets are going to reset in January and should really translate to significant growth. But Evercore okay. has a strong balance sheet, no debt, 40 million cash, and a great opportunity to buy down uh, 20% year to date. All right. Your other pick, uh, Vizio, ticker VZIO. Is this a, a playoff streaming? Because these are connected TVs, Yes, right? connected TVs. Yeah. And so they, they, they offer, you know, connected TV experience, right. but at a really decent price, right? Yeah. And so their, their, uh, their share is really trading lower this year just because of that challenging uh, TV market. But they're expected to add, their ad growth is just to continue up 20%. Yeah, I've owned a few um, in my day, and you know, a connected TV sometimes course. makes it a bit easier. Kind of helps you skip yeah. a step as a lot of people are unfortunately cutting the cord. Tiffany, it's great mm-hmm. to see you. You have a great Friday. Uh, one quick Thanks, look at Frank. futures before we let you guys go over to Squawk Box right now, taking a look in the green across the board. The Dow just slightly off of its highs of earlier this morning, and we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, look at the Dow again, uh, up 130 points right now, but as always, we say it's early. SP and NASDAQ both firmly in the green. Squawk Box coming up next. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.